If you like the Middle-Aged Man Talk podcast, consider giving us your support on Patreon. Hello and welcome to the Middle-Aged Man Talk Podcast. I'm your host, Brendan. And I'm your other host, Richard. So, Richard, you're looking awfully sexy today. <laughs> it's been a while, Brendan. Brendan just got back from his uh, sabbatical. I did a family road trip halfway across Canada. And I came back by myself. I flew my family home. It was the right choice. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I totally killed on this trip. Uh, I gave a best man speech at a wedding uh, that I went to the wedding I was invited to and also gave best man speech. Both were excellent. So, Richard, what are we snacking on tonight? Well, it looks smoked capelin. Smoked capelin is a very East Coast, very Newfoundland, product of Newfoundland, Canada. They're little fish that come rolling in. That There's songs about it. Sure, I'll try smoked capelin. Smoked capelin. Have you ever watched Red Dwarf? Yes, Red Dwarf's excellent. Smoke me a kepper. This is basically fish jerky. Yeah. And it's the whole fish. It's a little fish. You eat the bones because they're so small, it doesn't matter. Very salty. Well, it's a saltwater fish. I'm sure they're salted, too, before they're smoked. Um, there's probably some salt in the process. I wouldn't doubt it. What is in the ingredients? Salt and fish. Uh, there are no ingredients. It just says smoked capelin, so it's smoke and fish and probably salt. Hold on. Do they need to be refrigerated? Uh, um, they are, but I think they can actually go quite a while without. I kept them refrigerated for my long drive home. So there is 293% of your daily sodium intake from 100 grams. The whole package is 227 grams. So if you ate half of these, you would have three times your daily sodium intake. So I wouldn't suggest eating more than two or three of these fishes. Yeah. Do you like them, though? Yeah, no, actually, they're pretty good. I'm not a big fan of the of fish flavor, but the salt and smoke flavor kind of, you know, overwhelms the... I have a new product for you. The unofficial drink of Come Home Year. So what is Come Home Year? Okay. So Newfoundland is a great big island on the east coast of Canada where hundreds of thousands of people live, all called Newfies. And our first premier, so premier is like a governor, if you're American, it's a, but it's like the leader of a province, province like a state. So our first premier um, did back in the 1960s a come home year to get Newfoundlanders who'd gone away to work. Because Newfies tend to go other places and work other places for economic opportunity because it's a small rural place with limited opportunity. So my first premier did many years ago a come home year and a lot of people, like thousands of people, you know, came. This is the 1960s. They all came home. And that was right after they had paved the Trans-Canada Highway across Newfoundland. So there was actually a strip of paved road connecting the province like a, a couple years before. So anyway, um, this year, 2022, I guess because COVID was kind of winding down, they made it come home year. Even my, I even got a keychain that says come home year on it with a whale. It's, it's a nautical culture. Anyway, so this is the unofficial drink, which I guess is any drink really, of come home year 2022. So uh, you've heard of Roman Coke? 
Yes. Or if you're from uh, what southern, middle southern America, they have um, what do they have instead of rum down there? Ryan Coke. No, it's not rye. It's the other one. Uh, bourbon. Bur- bourbon. Yeah, they do bourbon and coke down there. Um, so this is my neighbor a, does bourbon and coke. American could be. That's no, what, she's not. She's she's from uh, she's from just up the highway. There are certain parts of the United States, though. If you order rum and coke, they'll be. Do you mean a bourbon and coke, sir? Sure. It's good to travel. Anyway, Newfoundland Screech is Jamaican rum with spices added to it. It's terrible. It's like that Captain Morgan stuff, but much worse. And they have a product now, famous Newfoundland Screech and Cola. And I brought you one. Screech and Cola. Screech and Cola. Basically, I brought you a Newfie rum and Coke in a can. I do like rum and Coke. No, of course it's not Coke. It's Cola. Probably, right. probably RC Cola. Yeah, it's not. It's not like Coca Cola brand name. It's just Cola. So it could be a homemade Cola. What do we think? Actually, that's very tasty. I like the spice. It's one of those. Um, it's got cloves in it. I suspect. I don't know. We you know how, like in the olden days, um, a lot of like men that worked, you know, blue collar jobs were exposed to heavy metal poisoning. And one of the symptoms of heavy metal poisoning is that you can't taste things as much. I suspect in the same way they have extremely hot sauces in the southwest of America where there was a lot of mining and a lot of people lost their sense of taste. So they put on really hot sauce. They could taste the food. I suspect Screech is the same thing for sailors, maybe or people who worked in the marine jobs or building things. So there's an interesting thing. Um, some of the really heavily... Uh Heavily spiced uh, alcoholic beverages are actually a result of partly a result of prohibition. Okay, because they would be marketed as digestifs or as um, you know, basically medicinal use. Oh, I see. Yeah, because you can still have alcohol in medicines during prohibition in yeah. America. You know, that's where the Kennedy family allegedly made a lot of their money. And Al Capone was from my home province, Newfoundland. There's songs about it how they would basically run rum in fast boats uh, to meet up with people or to America. So it's not that far, really, to get to Maine. Um, and then once you're within the U.S., the lower 48, go wherever, do whatever. But apparently the Kennedy family, you know, the famous you know, political family, uh, American royalty, as they're often called, they made a lot of money during Prohibition, apparently. That's where they got really wealthy, as the story goes. I don't know if it's true, but possible. I could see it. Yeah, Prohibition was an interesting period because the politicians that voted it in didn't actually think that it would be as strict as it was. They really didn't expect it to end up with the with beer being uh, made illegal. Because they thought they were they were making you know like spirits, like hard liquor, hard liquor. Yeah. And the thing is, you got to remember that time there was no law about there was no law about the uh, uh, with the percentages percentages. That- Oh, yeah. So someone could sell, like, what, 150 proof or 75%. Yep. Or you could sell 35% and whatever. Because yeah, most stuff today, it's almost amazing in Canada liquor store. Hard liquor is almost always exactly 40%. There, you used to be able to get some overproof stuff in Ontario? You still can. You pay the same tax price per volume of alcohol. So to get a little bottle of the 90, 90% alcohol stuff, which is used for making liqueurs... Uh, you still pay the same tax price. So it's like buying a little bottle is almost like buying four or five bottles of something else. So it's... 
Yeah, I used to get uh, the Bacardi 151, which is 75. 70, 75% alcohol. alcohol. But that was my camping rum. Oh, so you'd mix it with stuff and it would last longer. It, it's less volume for backpacking in because I used to do a lot of backpacking. Right. So and Clearly a lot of drinking on these camping trips. Uh, no, it, it wasn't a huge amount of drinking. Um, I guess, though, I mean, if it's a 26er, so 26 shots, and you have two a day, I mean, that's yeah, a couple weeks of camping. Yep. Yeah, like a, and if you're sharing with other people, that's like a week to share with friends. But uh, th- there's a few people I've known who like that. I don't think they're sharing with friends or camping. It's not like, oh, I just hiked 10 kilometers and ate a meal. Time for a shot of something. They're like, well, I haven't had a shot in a minute. Time for a shot. They have the two canteens, one with water and... One with, that's so terrible while hiking. You can't drink while hiking. I mean, you can, but you shouldn't. No. So uh, this is 10 minutes of us just uh, talking about nothing. It's pretty good. Did you want another fish before I put them away? Yeah, I'll have another. Do you want one or two more? Take uh, one. No, I'll just have one more. They're salty. Yeah, but it works really well with a very, very sweet. Oh, I'm sure it does. This, I think it is RC Cola. Uh, it, or something it, like that. It know. very well might be because I'm not sure who actually made this. I don't know what the actual brand is locally down there. So they could have just bought bulk cola mm-hmm. and call it cola. But but anyway, these um, these Capelin you can get quite commonly uh, down east uh, in grocery stores. There's a grocery store called Big Goods in the Ghouls, which is a suburb community of St. John's, the capital. And that's been their family owned for a million years. And they do have a lot of stuff. When I was a kid, we lived in the Goulds for a short time. And I remember at the right time of year, there'd be dead rabbits still covered in fur hanging up with cardboard below to catch the blood not paper towel cardboard because that's you know cheaper and you could buy a whole rabbit or it's really an arctic hare in Newfoundland but you could buy a whole freshly caught rabbit and they don't shoot rabbit down there they snare them they snare them Uh, a lot of people say snaring is inhumane the guys I knew that did it seriously and their dads they would go out for like a weekend and they would spend the afternoon setting up snares and then when they would promptly check them every three to four to six hours, depending on nighttime, daytime. So if a rabbit was caught in one, if you they say if you do it right, it actually uh, chokes the rabbit and it's much more humane. Um, but they can still be alive sometimes. My, my dad had a buddy that did this and he caught these two rabbits, like almost side by side, two different snares. He's like, oh, fantastic. And he loosens one, takes it, lays it down, takes the other one out, lays it down, turns around to get something out of his pack and they both wake up and run away because they were just kind of um, unconscious, I guess, from the lack of oxygen. But rabbit snaring, a lot of people get really upset about rabbit snaring. So it's done badly and guys don't mark their snares properly. Then they leave and leave snares there and a rabbit gets killed and yeah. it never gets eaten. So there, there is that aspect. But that happens in all kinds of hunting, I think, and fishing. That there are people who are responsible and those who aren't. Well, the reason why – I think the other th- reason why snares get a bad name is – they're not all made the same. So the, the good snares are the wire snares. I knew guys would make their own wire snares. Yeah. They'd buy, buy a roll of wire from Canadian Tire and they'd just wind them and they were yeah. great. Um, but you can use rope for snares and you know, twine and that sort of stuff. And it doesn't tighten the same way. Yeah. Something about metal, it kind of holds the same way. I know it's kind of gruesome now. We've just lost all our listeners. Probably not. Um, <laughs> but it, it is true that every time anyone publicly says anything about like hunting and killing and eating animals it's a, what are you doing people why do people get so mad about that did you see the thing with the guy from um uh, Jurassic park what's his face uh 
Star Lord. Yeah, Chris from, Pratt. Chris Pratt. Pratt. Yeah, yeah. He he was like Andy on um, Parks and Rec many years ago. So he did this post a while back because he has a hobby farm, and uh, he had like they had lambs. And he guess his kids play with the lambs, and he showed. Um, what his butcher did he hire? He came to the farm when they like did up the lambs and here's all the meat and all the cuts. And this lamb, you know, only had one bad day and, you know, played with my kids and was well fed and, you know, like it was taken care of properly. And now we're going to eat it and enjoy the, the bounty of the animal. And the internet exploded at him. And it's funny because everyone complains about, you know, uh, you know, the farming for, you know, corporate meat is evil and the animals are treated poorly and this and that. And here's a guy showing the example of I have my own. He's, he's wealthy, of course. Yeah. And he probably doesn't do a lot of the farm work. He probably has people paid because he can't always be there. He's an actor running around doing filming. But still, all of his animals are treated humanely and they're all eaten and they're not wasted. He said a positive example slammed. Leave yeah. Chris Pratt alone. And these people are probably eating McDonald's. Yeah, or they're like the um I remember the I remember when the vegans got mad. I know I shouldn't laugh at vegans cuz I know I know no, at least one that's sensible. There there are sensible vegans, but you don't know about them because they're not whiny. Exactly. They're like, "Oh, I just choose to eat this way and I'm, you know, I go to my doctor and get my blood tested and take an iron supplement and I'm fine." Um but I'm oversimplifying how to be a vegan in North American culture, which is hard. It's like trying to be uh eating kosher or halal in Newfoundland. Pork fat is literally cooked in everything in traditional food, even the bread sometimes. I told a Muslim friend of mine that. He's like, what? Because he actually eats halal. He actually observes. He was like, oh, I'm like, yeah, you're going to just read the labels. Read the labels. You'll be fine. But um, eating in restaurants, traditional Nufi food. You know what a scrunchion is? Nope. A scrunchion is pork fat back, chopped up into small little bits. You can buy it in a vacuum-sealed pack in most grocery stores in Newfoundland, and you fry it. Sorry, so it's pork fat back, chopped up into small little bits, and you fry it in a pan. And usually you'll fry that with fish or toutons. You know what a touton is? Nope. It's basically just bread dough that you fry in a pan, and then you put molasses on it. You know molasses? Yes, I know molasses. For baking? In Newfoundland, it's like maple syrup. It's used as a condiment. Or... Table syrup. What's it? I'm doing them with the finger thing. Air quotes. Table syrup. Yes. What is table syrup? It is high fructose corn syrup and caramel flavor and caramel. You know what they call that in Quebec where they make maple syrup, where my mom is from? They call it telephone pole syrup. There's, it sounds better in French, but it's tele, like as in like the telephone pole that holds the telephone lines. Telephone pole syrup. Yeah. Because it's not real maple syrup. Anyway, in Newfoundland, it's molasses. My wife didn't believe me when she first met me. I made her a French toast because she likes French toast. We're dating. And I was like, you want some molasses on that? And she looks at me like, what? Is that for like making cookies at Christmas? No. And I pour it on. And she's looking at me like, I guess. Um, it's actually pretty good because there's like a higher iron content. There's actually some nutrition you get in molasses. Well, you mola- get. I was going to say, molasses is all the nutritional content that used to be in white sugar. Used to be. Yeah. Yes. it's You basically take white sugar is what it, molasses and white sugar are what you get from sugarcane. Molasses has all the nu- nutrients in it, and white sugar is just sugar, which is a nutrient. But um, but all the other Isn't stuff. Is it a carbohydrate? Yes, but carbohydrate is a nutrient. If you want to go down the rabbit hole, what were we talking about? <laughs> what a ra- so random. <laughs> but this is our random Newfie episode. So you like the come home your unofficial screech and cola? Yep. Which is a much better way to consume Screech because it's it's so bad, Richard. It's so rough. Like, it's so rough. There's so many nice 
like liquors to drink that are smooth and wonderful. So my guess is the reason why they drank Screech was maybe you're right about the taste, but it was cheap and available. There's part of that. I mean, a lot of it came from Jamaica because of part of the old Commonwealth, the old British trade. So there were ships coming back and forth. Yep. And what do you trade? And they used to make, uh, my uncle used to make this and it's terrible. Um, before they switched to aluminium in uh, the 90s, early 2000s, they still used the old wooden barrels for the rum. And you could buy these barrels for pretty cheap and you could fill them with water and let it sit and soak. And after so many weeks or months of soaking, it would soak so much rum out of the barrels, the wooden barrels, you'd get about a 10% alcohol gross drink. What's that pirate word for alcohol? Grog? Grog, yeah. They called it grog. And there's another word, swish. Ah, they called it swish in Newfoundland. They called it swish. Oh, he's drinking swish. Want some swish? Okay. Actually, for rum, they still do, still use wooden barrels. I think for the commercial export, after they've aged it. Yes, yeah, so when it's after it's been aged, um, I don't think they ship it in barrels anymore. Um, it's apparently some sort of aluminium containers. I don't know how they ship stainless, it. Probably stainless steel. I thought it was aluminium. Uh, beer. It was coated like the big like kegs. Yeah, beer kegs styles. Yeah. They're they're all uh, stainless steel. Oh, is it? Because mm. it's more it's more inert than aluminum. Someone, someone had told me that they, well, yeah, aluminum can be coated in plastics and things, but someone had told me that they use aluminum containers now. Maybe that's not true. Maybe it is stainless I steel. I have now. seen a, I have seen a few aluminum kegs, beer kegs, but not very many. In any case, they're not shipping them, uh, shipping the rum from Jamaica to Newfoundland in old wooden barrels anymore. Now it comes in fancy modern metal containers. Uh, and when that happened, there was outrage. People were very upset. Because a lot of people, you know, alcoholics, like their cheap swish, which is terrible. But at 10% and cheap, it does the trick. Wow, I have self-confidence. Women are more attractive. <laughs> I don't feel so bad about my shortcomings. <laughs> and by shortcomings, I mean my... Anyway. <laughs> so uh, this best man speech I gave uh, was excellent. So I start out... Very British, very complimentary, talking about my, my brother and his, uh, now his wife and their, their dreams together about having like a home and a life together and, you know, blah, blah, blah. So I congratulate them individually and their daughter. Uh, they wanted to get married, but COVID happened, so they had a kid instead. A lot of people have done that. I know a number of like younger couples that, because like, we're not going to wait. Anyway, so it's very sweet. I congratulate them. It's very touching. And I say, you no know, marriage uh, is, is many things. You know, marriage is love. Marriage is commitment and all of the ups and downs, most of which are hopefully in the bedroom. <laughs> so when I said this and then like the laughter happened that died down, one of the guys was choking. <laughs> one of my brother's friends is sitting there in the middle, like of the, you know, the dining yeah. you know hall or room, whatever you call it. And he's like actually choking. He's like, Oh, the guy's wife pats him on the back and oh, I can get some water in him or beer or whatever. And, and you're like, okay, anyone else need the Heimlich? Everyone else okay? All right, we'll carry on. And uh, what did I do next? It wasn't very long, but it totally killed. And of course, that was the funny part. Hey, what I did next was um, took a sharp left turn. I talked about how, uh, you know, 12 years ago, I went to Japan uh, for a friend's wedding. I had the opportunity to go. And everyone's like, where is he going with this now? And 
in Japanese culture, the further you travel to a wedding, the greater the compliment to the family. So I want to, you know, return that compliment to the person that traveled the furthest to this wedding. I mentioned how, like, you know, I, my parents traveled from Ontario, like me, and there were some of the bride's side came up from America, from Virginia, not West Virginia. I was corrected. Just regular Virginia. It's it's important to them. Yeah, well, it's... It's it's a thing. It is, it's a different it's state. Like, so so you, you say, are you not from West Virginia? Are you from East Virginia? Which Virginia you're from? The regular one. I feel like they're disappointed when they tell you that. In any, any case, so I kind of mentioned like people who traveled. My brother, and I, I made a point to do recon at like the practice wedding the day before. Yeah. Um, my brother had uh, two friends who came from Alberta where he used to live for, for a brief time for a couple years. And they came all the way. So I called up uh, the missus in this couple because she's the more easily embarrassed kind. And she's English. So it's like, oh, attention publicly now. So I call her up and say, come on up. And she comes up and I have this little like pretty little box, this little gift box, you know, just from like the dollar store, but still a pretty little gift box. And I'm like, this is uh, a prize for you, a door prize for you. And it is a literal piece of my uh, brother and his wife's domestic bliss. Open it up. I'll hold show everyone. And she pulls it out. It's a doorknob. And it's an actual real doorknob. No packaging. Just a doorknob <laughs> in her hand. And I was like, what? The door prize is a doorknob? I say, this is a doorknob from my brother and his wife's new house in Newfoundland. And everyone laughs. And my sister-in-law is kind of looking at me like, is that from our house? <laughs> so um, I, I did the whole like Facebook stalker thing on my brother. And his uh, his wife, before they got married, when they moved into their new house a few months before the wedding, to see what color the doorknobs were. That I went to the you know surplus store, Habitat for Humanity, great place for prank gifts and regular building materials. Yep. And I got an eight dollar doorknob, two dollar box from the uh, dollar store, ten dollar prank. Anyway, everyone completely laughed at this. Then I finished off the uh, the best man speech with to the happy couple. You know. Yeah. Very, very British, very classic. Um, but the doorknob thing totally killed. The whole room was laughing uh, with this doorknob. And the funny thing was I talked to this this person from Alberta after the fact. And she said, actually, no, we're actually like we just bought like a, an older house, like a fixer-upper to like kind of redo it. It's dated. And they're going to use it. They're like, oh, this will work for like one of the closets in the basement. So <laughs> it's actually going to find a home in a basement in Alberta. That's so, pretty cool. So that's kind of fun. They're like, yeah. So they say we're going to, and they were doing a big trip because they had to come all the way. So they were like, I guess when other places, we're going to bring it everywhere with us. It's our little like, look what we won. And my brother really loved it uh, because this is a very important friend to him, her and her husband, uh, when he lived out there. And he was afraid they'd feel like outsiders at the wedding because they're just his friends and no one else knew them. No one else had met them. Yeah, they're from away. No, they're, they're from away, but like, like I did, I'd never met them. I, yeah. said, I suppose like my, my brother's groomsmen. We all went to high school together. Like, so like, like everyone else, my parents knew them or her parents knew them, but these people were totally, they just knew the groom and they hadn't seen him in a couple of years. So for me to include them like that, here, you get the door prize. It's a doorknob from their house. <laughs> and of course I was, since I was the best man, I was at the house that morning getting dressed alone in different parts of the house, bedrooms, putting things on. Did you steal that from our daughter's room? Our one-year-old daughter's room? That's what my sister-in-law thought. She was like, he could have. <laughs> he has a pocket knife with a screwdriver on it. They showed me. Uh, <laughs> I had to prime them all up, you see. Yep. So that's that's what I did. And I also saw, you know, breathtaking scenery, ate lots of codfish, all the typical East Coast things. So I guess we'll end on cod tongues. 
cod tongues? Tongues. The tongues and the cheeks of the codfish are a traditional delicacy. And remember, codfish can be as big as your leg. So the tongue is a good piece of meat. So, you know, lightly battered, fried, served with the scrunchions and uh, various root vegetables and cabbage boiled up with salt, beef, or pork. Jig's dinner-ish. There's variations on it. Newfie food. So this is kind of our Newfie episode. It's pretty good. Yep. And as far as all the food goes, you like the salty fish and the funny drink. Yeah. Buy, buy again. Yes. It is like a four-day drive to be able to buy that, so won't buy it again soon. I don't think I'd drink it all the time. Is it a Christmas drink? Would it be a good Christmas drink? I think it'd be a decent Christmas drink. Uh, it's very sweet. Is the, the the you know I don't drink tend to drink um, soft Bru- drinks anymore. Yeah, I don't. It's th- and this is you know like almost cream soda sweet sweet. Oh, really? Okay, so that's way too sweet. No. Hmm. But you know this, this you know this was you know very much a uh, a newfie snack. Yes, it salt, was salt fish. Sugar and alcohol. Not salt fish, smoked fish. Because salt fish is actually different and more salty and use it for cooking. Yes. Well, no. There's salt, many, salt fish, yeah. so, there's many salt fishes where I'm from. I was reading up on smoking, uh, on smoking meats for preserving them, how long you could keep them outside of the, in the different ways. And there's two parts of smoking. There's smoking for preserving meat and smoking for flavor. Yes. And in almost all cases, smoked meat for uh, pre- pre- preservation purposes, you either dry brine it, which is you pack it in salt. Yep. Or you uh, you wet brine it first. Oh, I'm sure these were all... They were probably dry brined. Yeah. I'm so sure they, they would have been packed in salt. Um, at, right after they were caught, they would have been packed in salt and slightly desiccated and then smoked. Yeah, most likely. I mean, I don't know the process. I've never done it because they're pretty affordable and you buy them at the grocery store. But I have, when I was a kid... Um, when the capelin are rolling in, it's a part of their like their natural like life cycle and spawning and everything. When the capelin are rolling in, that's when my dad would take us down to various beaches and around the capital of St. John's and be like watching. You see guys out to their hips or their armpits with nets catching them just on the beach. You're not on a boat; you're just standing there in the water, but under tow. So you want to be a strong grown man to do this or woman. And they'd catch them all the nets and drag them in and go back out and get more. And you'd even see, like, sometimes the dead ones washed up on the beach after they'd done their spawning. So, um, but it's a tasty little fish. It's not bad. Yeah, no, it isn't too. I, I find that uh, saltwater fish is not as fishy as freshwater fish. Interesting. Hmm. I think it depends on the kind of fish. Certain kinds of saltwater fish are fishier than other kinds of saltwater fish. So, I, I'm sure they are. Uh... And on that fishy note, thank you so much for listening. Have a good night, everyone. Good night from Sexy Richard. (laughs) Kiss a cod for me. Kiss a cod. That's a newbie thing too. Yes. (laughs) Middle-aged man talk. Thank you so much for listening. Please check us out on Patreon. (laughs) Woof.